Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Roos Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Well, it wasn't pretty. In some ways, kind of the same story as the week before, where Rice kind of thoroughly outplayed an opponent, and uh, it uh, was not a decisive victory because of turnovers. But this one had a lot more points, so it was at least more exciting to watch. And most importantly, Rice actually won. And I don't know how long it's been since they won an overtime game, so I guess that part was exciting as well. But uh, hey, we're sitting here at four and three. I'm going to have to go pull up my notes now. Last time they won an overtime game, but you, you were right about one thing. It was exciting. I, my heart was pounding pretty crazy in those last final minutes because for a game in the middle of October, this felt much more significant than it, it probably was. Maybe, maybe not. It definitely feels like, especially given that, again, kind of the same thing happened last week in a certain sense and they lost that one it was kind of a kind of a dispiriting loss if that basically same thing had happened again except almost even more gun-wrenching because this time like you know they battled back they 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 took the lead with one touchdown widened it with another and then just needed to stop at the end and then couldn't do it. And uh, I don't know. When I saw that Louisiana Tech had had tied the game, I was basically like, well, uh, this is it. Well, to be fair, they needed to get uh, one of four stops at the end of the game. <laughs> because, yeah. and this was the part about all of this that was just like mind-numbing because Tech gets down to their third third-string quarterback and he uncorks a like a laser to the front pylon. And if I'm sur- I'm assuming if you're a Rice fan listening to this, you were watching, you saw that throw, but that throw was perfect. Like the, the coverage was pretty solid. It was just right on and they got it. I'm like, okay, surely they're not going to get the two point. And they did. And then surely they're not going to score again in overtime. And they did. And they would have to get the overtime or the score in regulation and the two point score in overtime and the two point to complete the win. And let me just say, folks, the goal line fade is dumb. <laughs> this yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that's the sole reason why Rice won this game, but as effective as the Louisiana Tech passing game was, even with their third string quarterback, that was about the worst play you could have drawn up in that situation yeah like I, i'm not gonna say there's never a time where you call that play but it if you have bradley rosner you can make an excuse yeah if if you've got a guy that you trust to just go up and take it then fine but most teams relative to their competition level don't have that guy and you're just I don't know. It feels like you could most offensive coordinators at this level worth their chop should be able to design a play that has a better than 50% chance of getting two yards. And that play is pretty much at best with a good throw a 50-50 ball. Yeah, it was not good. And so as I was processing that, of course, I was I was thankful that they decided to do that and throw it that way. 
Did you kind of have any hesitation watching it when Rice went down and got the initial score in overtime that Rice should go for two? Um, not as much. Although what I what I did think was that when they got the score to go up thirty four twenty seven, that they should have gone for two then. That's because... interesting because that's exactly where my mind was at that point. I'm like, yeah. well, you can make it a two score game right here like so the like the analysis to always make there is like not what's the difference between like six and eight but what's the difference between six and seven and functionally there like if you so if you if you go for two and don't get it you've got a seven point lead or yeah you've, you've got a seven point lead and at that point, if Louisiana Tech goes down and scores, it's almost certainly a tie game. They're probably not going for two for the win. They're probably not going to make the extra point. So it's a tie game. And even if they do need to go for a two for the win, that would have set them up in the exact same situation they'd be in in overtime. Right. But if you go for two and do get it, then... I mean, I guess it was far enough out that you can't guarantee anything at that point. But, like, you have made it a two-score game. They cannot. They have no way of of even tying you with just one score. And so there's a huge functional difference there between, like, if you kick the, if you kick the extra point, like, you are pretty much, you are automatically saying that no matter what, whether you miss or whether you hit or even miss that extra point, the other team is going to have a chance to tie the game in one drive. Yeah. So we're glad it worked out the way it did. It was, it was interesting, man. And I guess we've talked a lot about the offense and I know we have a lot to talk about on that front. Should we start with the defense? Because this was an air ready team. So them scoring points, I don't think is crazy, but even with overtime, giving up 41 points to Louisiana tech, kind of feels atypical from what we would have expected this defense to be going. I mean, going into this game, I thought this was a game where Tech maybe puts up somewhere in the 20s, maybe low 30s. 40s a lot. Yeah, and it's first, like, on the one hand, like, you know, they ran, uh, what's the total here, 76 plays and got less than 400 total yards on that, which is less than five yards a play. So from like a down to down perspective, it's not all that bad of a defensive performance. Um, But they just really weren't able to get a lot of stops is the problem. Like, um, yeah, I thought that was really interesting because watching the game, I, I couldn't quite piece it together because tech went four for 17 on third down, which is, what, right under 25%, like 22 somewhat percent, something like that. And, and going in, you know, real time, I was like, okay, I feel like they're getting the stops. But then Tech was four for five on fourth down, which was a lot. And they had a couple just very, very soft coverage conversions on fourth down, too, where Rice kind of yeah. gave them a good amount of space. And we've always seen this defense has and will always under Brian Smith lean on giving too much cushion versus not enough because they don't want to get beat over the top and they 
they really haven't much at all this season, but we've seen some trouble with tempo at times. And then we've seen just issues with the lockdowniness. If that's, I know it's not a word, but, but you know what yeah. I'm saying? I, it felt yeah. like what? this was a game and- where Rice had the talent to, to shut Louisiana Tech down or at least limit them. And they, they really didn't. Yeah. And like, so like Louisiana Tech did get two, t- two touchdowns on, on less drives of less than 35 yards right at the start of the second half. And that definitely sort of affects it some. That's, you know, that's how it, it, one of those ways, how you give up that many points without, from a down pers- down to down perspective, giving up that many yards or that, that, you know, being still being relatively efficient uh, on defense. But, you know, the, like the thing about air raid, like true air raid offenses is that, they're not really vertical offenses. They're not designed to like hit you over the top. It's not like the the you know the offenses like Tennessee runs or like Baylor used to run, where it's spread everybody way way out all the way to the sidelines and go verticals. It's 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 putting five receivers in the formation at all time and just taking every bit of green grass there. And it's it's kind of the situation where if anything you should play up and play aggressive because if you give cushion to quarterbacks and receivers in that offense, they're just going to take the open space in front of them every time. And unless you are every single time rallying to the ball and forcing a lot of incompletions and, and things like that, like, you know, teams can kind of march up and down on the, uh, up and down the field on you and they may not get a lot of big plays, but, teams that run that offense well can just sort of like slowly chew up the clock on you. I mean, like there's, there's a reason Mike Leach's teams always, you know, have whatever, like 60 pass attempts a game. It's and it's not, it's because they're even at relatively like pedestrian performances for them. They're just like every play is a run. Every play is a pass. Like it's designed to just sort of take every bit of open space that's there in front of them. Yeah, that's that's true, and I and I think there there was a good amount of that, which we're kind of used to. It was the it was the shots downfield that kind of was more concerning. You had Liddy had the nineteen yarder, which we talked about earlier at the end of regulation, which I I didn't really have a, a big pain about. It was it was a great throw and a great catch. Uh, the the one that he had in overtime, that the fourth and three in overtime where you could have won the game there to, to, to have someone get open in the end zone like that was kind of disappointing. And then he had the 32 yard uh, pass earlier in the game. Oh, well, sorry. He didn't uh, Matt, It was Matthew Downing, the the backup quarterback at that point. And they had a couple where just the, the plays were converted down the field. I thought there seemed to be, almost a concerted effort by the tech offense to go after Sean fresh. It seemed like Dunbar and his side of the field was not targeted hardly at all. I, I think, I think fresh kind of was back and forth. There was a couple times where he just got beat and then he has the one big interception in uh, like on the, the touchline of the end zone that fault ends up in a, you know, getting rice, the ball and, and getting points off the board there. So he's been, he was had a, a lot of work on Saturday and 
I think that might not be the first time we kind of see this going forward. Is that kind of what opposing offenses Rice is going to play another one that wants to throw the ball around the yard this coming weekend in Charlotte? Is that kind of where they put their crosshairs and, and try and say, okay, here, what, is there one side of the field that we can we can exploit in the the middle to the deep end? Because that's the part where they can do damage, especially if you know you have that that zone in the middle of the field that Rice is already willing to to give up. I don't know, just like a weird game and a weird performance, because like, you know, you look. I don't know. You you look like a little bit deeper than just the number of points scored, and there are some indicators that it's not all that bad of a defensive performance for Rice. But like at the same time, you're like like you said, you're there. The other team's down to that third string quarterback at the end there. Um, yeah, it just so. it just felt like like there were there were 17 points scored in the first half. It it was 10-7 going into halftime, and in the the second half, Rice had 28 and Tech had 25. And it, and it felt like the, the part about it that I kind of was most, um, I don't know, not, not aggravating, but, but, you know, raised my eyebrows was the fact that once Rice got the offense going and everything was set, I think they'd, they'd taken a lead and it had gone up. Uh, was it 35 to 27 at that point? We talked about that where they just kicked the extra point to stay up by eight. At that yeah. point, there was four minutes left in the game. And it was like, okay, this is the point where you kind of batten down and you, and you can, you get off the field and, and you win. And it was, it was the, it was the fact that in that like key moment down to their backup, then their third string, it was, it, I guess it was that pressure situation right? That four minute offense, the part that the, allowing them to go 11 plays, 75 yards, three minutes and 20 seconds and, and score the way they did. That was the part that was more concerning because I know this defense from the sum like totality of a game is good. Like overall big picture, it's good, but the clutchness, which is something that I feel like we've been able to count on them for. I mean, they've, they've won multiple games, on the field, making big plays. So I don't doubt that they can, but it was just kind of like a chink in the armor because I'm like, okay, you have the lead. You have this defense on the field. They're with their backup quarterback. You got this. And I, I just I wanted them to finish it that way. Maybe that's just yeah. selfish, but that's what I wanted. <laughs> no, it's, it's, and it's frustrating because you, like, it's one thing in that situation to, like, give up a huge play to just, like, bust and make a mistake or something like that. Like, it's it sucks to see, but it's also, like, you know, that's you made one mistake and it leads to that. And sometimes you just make the mistakes, you know. But, like, to give up an extended drive like that where you just have multiple opportunities to get off the field and you don't take them, it's... I don't know. It's it's frustrating to watch that to like give the other team that many chances at it and not being able to come away with a stop when like you didn't need like it's not like they were driving into position for a game winning field goal or something. It's not like you can't allow them to gain in the yards. It's like you just you got to get that stop and and they didn't. They didn't. But I thankful that the Austin won the game. Yeah, I was there, and that's kind of, I guess, transitioning to the other side of the ball. It Did 
Bryce fix their offense? Question mark. My voice is getting higher because I'm not <laughs> sure what inflection level the question should be made at. What the was the the secret? Well, I guess maybe two secrets. Uh, build the whole plane out of Luke McCaffrey, and, which is not uh, a bad plan. Yeah, no. Um, he had he had a hundred and seventy one of Rice's two hundred and eight receiving slash passing yards in this game. So uh, yeah, they very much did it. Uh, TJ McMahon had a QBR, and again, this is this is ESPN's proprietary one on the scale of one to hundred. He had a QBR of ninety point two. I would uh, I'm going to go ahead and assume that the the vast majority wow. of that is. Yeah, much higher than I would have thought it would be. But I'm um, trying to think if I, a Rice quarterback has ever gotten a 90 QBR in a game. I'm sure they're last couple years, but like I don't even think like Mike Collins would have gotten up there. Yeah, they gave him. I'm sure he's getting because that does include rushing as well, I believe. So that they're giving him big credit for the long touchdown run there. But uh, it's 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 build the whole plan out of Luke McCaffrey and uh, a solid dose of Juma Odoviano. Making uh making his triumphant return to major major action. Uh, Mike Collins did have a ninety three point two QBR against Southern Miss, where he had four touchdowns. Yeah, that'll and do. two. And I wondered I wondered if it would be that one, but uh, yeah. But still, my goodness, and can I like just can I rant a little bit? Because I. I, yeah, this is I guess this is our podcast, so we can do what we want. Right. But I'm just I want to rant a little bit uh, because I do get a, a vote in the Conference USA Player of the Week awards. And I'd like to think I'm pretty, pretty reasonable when it comes to it. But the fact that Luke McCaffrey did not win Offensive Player of the Week this year, this, this week is a joke. Oh, I missed I'm that. Sorry. Who did? Uh, Frank Harris did at UTSA, which. I mean, he was good at 300 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Like, he's a good quarterback. He's, yeah. he's won it, I think, four times already this season. Like, I'm not not debating his merits. But but that's just like a, I don't know. That it's a is good a day. It's not really special. solid, really solid quarterback performance. But like 171 yards and two receiving touchdowns plus a rushing touchdown, like, that doesn't give yeah. like and it comes from an offense which if you go back like so Luke McCaffrey had his big touchdown in the the second quarter of this game to kind of get things going if you look over like the previous 5 quarters of Rice football the offense did not exist yeah it wasn't like like UTSA is a good offense they're scoring probably 28 30 some odd points a game and Frank Harris contributes a couple touchdowns toward that cause it was good not knocking Frank Harris but Luke McCaffrey literally wrenched an offense out of the grave and put up three touchdowns by himself and 200-plus all-purpose yards. Yeah, I'm not looking at the UTSA box score. Frank Harris threw for 6.1 yards in attempt. And, like, okay, he also had 16 carries for 75 yards, and that adds real value. Like, fine. We'll bump that from a mediocre passing performance to, like, an overall good performance adding in the rushing numbers. But in uh, – uh, Okay, now you've gotten me mad about this. <laughs> Sorry. And this is not an anti-Frank Harris take. No, not at all. But, like, like come he on, had a let's perfect, stop regurgitating a totally okay game. Yeah. I'll even say it was a good game. Luke McCaffrey had a great game, and Rice doesn't win this game without Luke McCaffrey going off. 
Yeah. That's... So side rant. You were right. Build the offense out of Luke McCaffrey. I honestly, I, I can't the argue. Next time Jared's it. Jared's on the pod. We'll have to have words with him about this week specifically. It's his fault. Yeah, there we go. That seems reasonable. We got in UTSA is coming up in a couple weeks. So there's that. And then the other piece you said, uh, Juma Taviano. So this is something I'm, I'm going to be interested in following this week because, you know, Bloom and the offensive staff made a concerted effort this week. They said the plan is Ari and Cam. They're going to run the football. Nobody else. And quite say nobody else. They basically had a short yardage package carved out for Uriah West. And then like kind of the passing downs, uh, more scat backy uh, receiving work, third and long kind of stuff was kind of being tabbed for Dean Connors. I know Cam Montgomery got a lot of those touches, but that was the plan. 85 to 90% of the running work was supposed to be Cam and Ari. And then Ari fumbled Which, twice. Yeah. You know, seemed like a totally reasonable thing. I, I saw that at the time and I was like, yeah, seems totally reasonable. Like give it to your, give it to your best players. And then Ari. Yeah. Who, uh, you know, I, I can't say I recall maybe, maybe my memory is poor here, but I can't say I recall that ball securities ever really been an issue for him. Uh, he fumbled that one time at the goal or at, at like the three yard line against was that UAB? Yeah, I believe it was UAB. He fumbled on the on Rice's own three and set up a short touchdown. Um, but that was it, and then fumbled twice in this game. So I don't like what 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 curse of 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 turnovers it has infected this offense that. <laughs> It's that, official that, now, by the way. Yeah. If you, for those who haven't read my game preview for this week coming up on Charlotte, Rice leads Conference USA in turnovers per game. So just in case we thought, man, they're they really unlucky. It's actually a lot closer than you would think. I think they're – I have to look. I think they were tied. Uh, this league. Like Charlotte and UTEP, I think, were up there really close. So – but yeah, Rice is the only one in the top four that has a winning record, which oh. is frankly amazing. But, you know, in Ari, and I'm not going to bash on Ari, fumbles are what they are, no. they happen. But, but, but what I do want to say about this is we've now watched a lot of Rice football this season, and Cam Montgomery is the most dynamic running back they have on this team. And it's not close. Yeah. And I, well, let me say this. I'm I'm a staunch supporter and still on the Dean Connors train. I would love to see Dean Connors get more than an occasional carry. Um, I think he's great. That's not the, diref- the, the direction the staff is going in. Okay. But we've seen Ari run now, uh, and we've seen a little bit of Uriah West. Uh, he's going to be in that same mold. He's not got that burst. But Juma? Juma, when he got into the ball game, and and I went back, I did a Patreon piece on this. I kind of rewatched and kind of focused in on the second half to see, like, did they make a big adjustment? Like, did they start calling the offense differently? Did they run a better, a different selection of plays? You know, what? Why did the offense take off in the second half? And it was the same scheme. It was the same plan. The only thing I thought they might have done a little bit differently, and I'm not going to 
give away all the piece, but they were a bit more intentional on getting the ball out quickly. There wasn't really any seven-step drops. It was kind of like get it out to McCaffrey yeah. and let him do the rest, which is a good plan. <laughs> Smart plan, but, yeah. But the running game just worked because I thought the offensive line was a bit more consistent. They had a couple more holes, but but Juma got extra yards. Like when he would get hit in the backfield and run forward and get get four yards on a carry, like those have been carries that the rest of the Rice running game have been settling for no gain or one. And and I don't know, I don't know why Juma has been relegated to fifth string, but it would be impossible for me to watch that game and not say you need more touches going forward. Than zero. That's a high bar yeah. to, or a low <laughs> bar to get there. But he had juice, and Rice needs juice. He d- uh, well, that is exactly the word I was going to use. Like, I mean, that's always been who he is, right? Like, we first got to know him four years ago now when he went off for what 230 yards on 13 carries. I'm ball- ballparking that, but like, we know he's got that, and I distinctly remember like the next season when he was his in his brief appearances when he got back in. Like I did a little film room and and just rewatching some of those plays again. He's just got like a not just the long speed, but like that short area quickness where he can he can you know make a move in a tight space and really burst through like a small hole. Um, so like. Uh, that's definitely something that I, you know, obviously Cam brings that with as much speed as he has, but it is, you know, given his size, it's hard to run in between the tackles as much, but like, you know, with Jumo being able to get those tough yards like he did on Saturday and, and just the speed and the explosiveness that he has, like, especially given the inconsistencies at offensive line, like you kind of need backs at this point who are going to be able to, take a small opening here and, you know, kind of get through a hole that's closing um, and, and, you know, turn nothing into something. And yeah, it seems and like he provided exactly, quite a bit of that. That's exactly where I'm at, because at this point, like we've seen we're at seven games right now and the offensive line is just not as consistent as we wanted it to be. They're just, and they, there's a couple reasons for that. I mean, they have had, one repeat per, or group performance of five starters playing back-to-back games. And that second game was FAU and it did not go well. So they've had some injuries. They had suspension baked in there with Nutter. It's not, but at this point, I'm not, I don't feel like you can wait around for the offensive line suddenly to start churning out at an incredible clip. Like I'd love it to happen, but if the option is, wait for the O-line to figure it out and just keep running the same way you've been doing. I, I don't see a great outlook for that, but it, find a guy who can make stuff where it's not there. And then when the offensive line does hit it right, then you get big plays, which, you know, we saw some from Cam. We saw Juma with the, the big run in overtime to kind of, I mean, not that I was nervous. I, I mean, I'm not actually, I was a little bit nervous just because <laughs> We've seen this team play in overtime before, and it hasn't always been pretty. But when he had that big run, it just kind of felt like they have a guy they can go to. So uh, I'm Team Juma. Let's let's see more Juma. And because so far, all I know is the most productive half of 
Rice football offense this season was sparked by McCaffrey and Otaviano. And that worked, so don't please don't go away from it. That's that's my only request. Yeah, you just like and and with all due respect to Ari, we love Ari, but like if you are accepting the reality that you have an offensive line that is not going to consistently create yards for your running backs, like he's just he he doesn't have that kind of explosion. Like he's great and he's tough in short yardage, but like yeah, there's still great places to put Ari on this team. I'm not saying banish him. Right. Like he, exactly. He, him in short yardage is he's he's probably a better person to have back there than anybody else they have just because his I think his vision and power are it it is special. Like, but on first and ten when it's, on second yeah, right. and eight. When it's first and ten, like if you can't trust that your offensive line is going to create five yards for him and then he can bowl over a guy for the other three to get the first down, then, like, that's just not going to work. Like, you have to go to those guys. You have to go to Cam and Juma and Luke, the guys who can create something on their own. Yeah. So, I I kind of feel... I kind of feel hopeful, expectant, uh, somewhat confident that we've seen enough tinkering to where I feel like the offense has some life. I know we've seen kind of like sparks and moments kind of going up to this to know they can do it, but I'm starting – the second half of that game, I know Louisiana Tech's defense is awful, but I really felt that once Rice was able to put some semblance of, of O-line play together that was pretty consistent, and they found who can we trust to make the big plays, Like I, I felt like it got going. So I think that's a recipe they're going to be able to repeat to some degree going forward. I don't know if it's going to be a 40-point game, but... You know, honestly, if you stop turning the ball over three times and spotting the other team 14 to 17 points. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be. You might get to 40 anyways. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. Last week, if if you're not turning the ball over in the end zone, like, that wasn't nearly as good of an offensive performance as this one, but you're probably getting, you know, 24, 28 points instead of 14. So, like. You don't even have to be this explosive generally if you're just not turning the ball over minimum three times a game. Um, so, uh, it's the rocket scientist. We have the hard hitting analysis, and then the uh, don't hand the other team the football, please. <laughs> so, like, you just, you know, even if they're not playing as well on offense as they did in the second half of this game, if you're getting. I don't know, 70% of that consistently, and you're only fumbling once instead of three times. I, that's what gets me. It's, it's a lot of these, and I'm not saying they're all his fault, but like many, many of these turnovers have been TJ throwing interceptions. We know that's the kind of guy he is. He didn't even throw an interception in this game, and they still turned it over three times. It was insane. Which kind of was was somewhat shocking to me because – They'd had those turnover problems all game. And so I kind of I was looking in the looking through the box score and like the mid third quarter once the offense started going, I'm like, man, how's TJ doing? And I'm like, TJ's been really good. 
like I'm looking at all the numbers and like across the Ugh. board, I'm like, he's complete. Yeah, I mean, the completion percentage I think was a little bit lower, but I mean, he's he's converting on third down. He's he's throwing touchdowns. He's not throwing interceptions. I'm like looked across. I'm like TJ, TJ was really good. Like ends up sixty percent completion, and let's see what was Rice on on third down for the day. Uh, six of 13. Yeah. That'll do three on fourth down. Yeah. That's that everything like TJ was good. The offense was good. Sands fumbles did have uh, 70 yards of penalties. There were a couple penalties in there that I didn't quite understand, but rice did get uh, bailed out with a, a taunting penalty for the second time That's this fun. season, which <laughs> how many taunting penalties did rice have called in any of their games in like the past four years. Like it's not what you one. see a lot these days. <laughs> I can't even think of any others. So I'll take it. But yeah, I I'm happy this ended up a win. I know we were talking about the post game win expectancy from the SP plus before this. It was up at like ninety seven percent. Which is this is a game where I should have won and they did. And I'm going to relax now and know that it yeah. counts as a W no matter how ugly it was. Yeah, the hilarious part is that, uh, you know, three weeks ago or whenever when we were riding high on this team, um, given the way, like, they had a super low win expectancy against UAB and then it wasn't as high as the score was close in the U of H game and... I guess they were a little leakier on defense than they should have been just in terms of yards against McNeese State. Like, so if you went and looked at, and and those win expectancies are based on SP+, but like most kind of efficiency metric systems are based on sort of the same thing. So they're going to tend to be in rough agreement. So like if you looked at Rice's like overall rankings or ratings at that point, they were in like, I think they were a little higher in FPI, but they were like 115 in SP plus and a little, a little bit higher in, in FPI. And some of that was still preseason projections, but they were mostly out at that point. And I was like, man, what does, what does Rice have to do to get a little love here? And then the past two weeks, they've uh, lost embarrassingly in a game they should have won. And one kind of embarrassingly in a game they should have won decisively and their ranking has jumped way up because their post-game win expected, like, the, the raw stats in those games both show, like, decisive Rice victories. So it's kind of hilarious to me that after our reactions to the last two weeks, like, the computers are starting to be like, oh, yeah, no, they're, 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 they're better. Yeah, I, this is a good football team with a, a very good defense and a good to very good offense that can't stop shooting themselves in the foot. And as soon as they figure out how to not do that, they could be really good because yeah, I don't hopefully know if you starting with Texas UTSA this weekend, but that there's not an unbeatable team in this conference. This is not like years past. Yeah, no. Uh, hopefully that'll start off this weekend with uh, a Charlotte team that uh, we you know we're not usually in doing previews on this show, but uh, might be worth talking about Charlotte a little bit because uh, they uh, just fired their coach. Yeah, the first head coaching change in Conference USA is at Charlotte, which, 
I think has to make some folks around South Maine at least have a little bit of a sigh of relief because I think it's interesting because these were two coaches with, with Bloomgren and Healy that came into the season with, hey, it's you got to show it now or we're done. And it hasn't been pretty for, for, for Bloomgren the entire time, but you have the win against UIB. You got the win against Louisiana. You're coming in to play a team that just fired his their coach because he wasn't getting it done. And if Rice wins this game, they have five wins before the end of October, and they need one more to go bowling. They still yeah, play UTEP. Uh, they will have uh, beaten their highest total of wins under Bloomgren thus far uh, before the last month of the season with four whole games to go. So, um, you know, and for this the ups is and downs exactly of the this, reason. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. No, you, I, I, you finished your, your thought for, for as, as inconsistent as Ben, you, you can see now what the other side is, right? And that's why yeah. Charlotte is, is making the change, which is a, a bummer. Cause I, I'm a big Will Healy fan. One. Yeah. He's, he's fun and extremely entertaining. And especially with no Lane Kiffin in the conference, like Healy was like, we were talking about, hot dog eating contests and laughing at media days because Charlotte was the last contingent after like eight hours of interviews. They were great. It was fun, but I get it. I think it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up because I feel like recruiting is something the talent bullet Charlotte, and we don't have to get a big dissertation here, but the talent at Charlotte that he did really well with some other folks uh, from Lambert's, I guess, guys, but uh, didn't really materialize. But I thought, you know, obviously, offense, the scheme, they were able to score points. So it'll be interesting to see Chris Reynolds, Grant DuBose, Mick Tucker. They got a lot of guys there. So this will be a game this weekend where maybe the Rice offense gets to uh, stretch his legs again, quite possibly. Hopefully. But either way, I don't care how they do it. Well, let me rephrase that. I do care. Rice... Please. Yeah, please don't give me a heart attack this weekend, Rice. <laughs> like, I just want, like, a boring football game. I felt like the Louisiana game was the most boring win that they've had this year, excluding the McNeese game, which they won by a lot because they should have. But yeah. the FBS win at Louisiana was boring, but that was still a close enough game in the fourth quarter that I was, you know, had my eyebrows raised. So... First head coach change in Conference USA is at Charlotte, and I think that bodes well for Rice this weekend. We'll say that. Yep, uh, but we will be back next week uh, to hopefully. Uh, I I don't want to see anybody even want to say hopefully talk about a win, although the size of that spread definitely makes me nervous. But uh, yeah, I don't know what uh, I don't want to know what the. the our mood's going to be like if they lose, but um, be back next week. Uh, hopefully a win away from bowl eligibility at that point. So we'll see y'all then and rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.